Let's pray. Father God, we ask that as we contemplate this scripture, God, that we would have the veil removed, that we might contemplate your glory this morning, God. That we might experience the power of your presence that is here with us and in this place, Lord God. Lord God, we take a deep breath this morning, God. Lord, we let our minds settle from all of the things that are fighting for our attention right now. God, we bring our hearts to you, God. Lord God, as we set our minds and our hearts in your presence, we pray, almighty God, that you would transform us into your image, that we would be filled with your light and your beauty this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, our theme for this year is visible transformation, amen? And I'm just going to restart this because it says it hasn't started yet. All right, amen. Um, I want to read the, the, the verse from the message, though, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 18. Um, the, the message being a, a, a modern translation. It says, And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, meaning Jesus Christ, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. So we're really talking about this idea of beauty and light, how that is the presence of God in our lives. And when God enters our lives, that we're actually transformed. And we're transformed in such a way, we believe, that we can see it. Not only can we see it, but other people can see it, right? Because I, because I think we're living in a day and age where we need to know, right, that God has the power to change us and transform us. We can't just rely on head knowledge now. We're not, we're not living in a time, you know, where maybe that was more visible than it was at this time. But I believe that we're living in a time and in a season where we want to see the God's presence in our lives. We want to see that it's making a difference, right? And I believe because there are so many people that are living in darkness. There are so many people that do not understand the beauty that God wants to bring to their lives. There are so many people who are living so far away from God. And I believe that one of the reasons that they are is because they look at the church, they look at people who claim to know God, they look at people who claim to follow Christ, and they don't see any difference. They don't see any difference at all. And we can internalize it. I get frustrated when, I, when I'm saying, God, I don't see the change. I don't see the difference in my life. Aren't you supposed to make a change in me, right? And I begin to doubt and I begin to let the frustrations creep in. And I begin to slowly but surely just turn away, right? And I begin to live with, like the scripture says, this veil that seems to cover my eyes. And, and, the, and this veil that seems to cover my heart. And I begin to live a life that somehow deep down inside I know isn't really the life that I want to live. Amen. And therefore isn't really the life that God wants me to live. Because if God was really inside of me, God was pure light. God was pure beauty. God was pure love. Then it, then it would change, wouldn't it? I mean, it would, it would change. It would change. When light that is truly light shines, the, the darkness is gone. I mean, it makes a difference, doesn't it? So when we live in the light, then our lives need to change. Our lives need to be transformed. 
Now it's interesting, the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote this letter to the people living in the city of Corinth, the Corinthians. And he's referencing a story that many of them who were Jewish would understand. It's the story of Moses. You heard that name as we read the scripture, right? And they said, listen, I want to refer to the story of Moses and use it to help explain the new thing that I believe is God is doing. So let's look at the backstory for just a minute this morning, right? Let's look at a story of broken tablets and veiled glory. You see, what Paul was referencing, the Apostle Paul, is that time when the Israelites were in the wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land. That place that Pastor Rosalie spoke about last week as she did such a great job in explaining to us the journey of God doing a new thing. Remember how the people left the slavery in Israel, the people of God, and he could have taken them straight into the Promised Land, if you remember the map. But he didn't. He took them down and through the wilderness. And it was down in that wilderness that God met with them at Mount Sinai. And he said, I want to do something with you. I want to speak to you. I want to give you my word. And he gave them the law, which the Hebrews called the Torah. And this is one of the most significant events, certainly for Jewish people, that has ever happened in the history of the world. That God spoke and gave the Torah to the people. And it was more than just the law, more than just guidelines and rules and regulations. It was God's covenant agreement with them. It was his marriage ceremony with his people. It was his promises towards them that this is how I'm going to live with you. And this is how you're going to live with me. And it's going to be different. Because the world right now is full of evil and the world right now is full of injustice and you have been oppressed and in slavery, but I have set you free to live in a new relationship with me. And when we live in covenant relationship, we're going to show the world what God really looks like. We're going to be the light for the world and we're going to be a blessing. To all of the other people, right? We're going to be a blessing to them. And you need to understand God's mindset and what he's doing. So what he does is they're camped out there in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. And God calls Moses up and he says, Moses, come up on the mountain with me and I'm going to give you this Torah, right? And he gives it to him famously on stone tablets, right? Those were the first tablets, right? They weren't tablets like this. There were different kinds of tablets back then. And he wrote them on the stone tablets. But you see, while Moses was up on the mountain, and while Moses was communicating with God, the people began to get a little restless, you see? And the people began to say, we don't know what's going on. We're out here in the wilderness. We're not getting to the place we're supposed to go to. At least we had food and drink back in the back when we were slaves. And they actually come to Moses' brother, Aaron, and they say this. I love the Bible because it's so funny and so real. They're like, why don't you build a different God for us? Because this Moses fellow, we don't know where he went. <laughs> Can you imagine just saying about the leader? This Moses guy, we don't even know where he is. He's been gone a long time. He went up on the mountain. We never saw him. We don't know if he's coming back. Aaron, why don't you make us a God that we can worship right here? And Aaron says, okay. I'm like, wow. Sometimes I wonder, why did Aaron? He's like, okay, bring me all of your, your gold jewelry, all your earrings, all your stuff. He puts it together and he fashions a golden calf. And he says, here's your God that brought you out of Egypt. Let's worship this. And the people begin to worship what they have created themselves out of their own wealth because they're insecure. They're afraid. They don't know what's going on. The Lord says they're stiff-necked. Don't you love that term? They're stiff-necked people, meaning they're stubborn. They're obstinate, right? Amen. We all know some stiff-necked people, right? Amen. <laughs> and some of us better realize that's us, that are the stiff-necked people, right? Because we're just so stubborn. We're just so obstinate. We're like, even though God had done all of this, even though God had released them, even though God had done the miracles, even though God had provided for them, they got to a place where they're like, God, you're not doing enough for us. So we're just going to make our own gods. We're going to do our own thing, God. 
And, and, and we see that when, when God sees that, he's like, why are you doing this? You people are so stiff-necked. You're so hard-hearted. Your minds are so dull. You're, you're so against me. When all I'm trying to do is lead you into life. The Lord says, listen, I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to go on with you. Because if I go with you, I'm going to kill you. That's how I feel right now. You know, people, you've got to understand, God is real. I don't, I don't know, maybe you never got that picture of God from anywhere else. But if you read the scriptures... You read a God that is real. And it might bother us sometimes, but sometimes we might say amen because I know how that feels. If I stay with you a minute longer, can we get real for a moment? How many of you are parents, grandparents in this room, right? How many of you have thought in your mind, because I know you've never said it out loud, but if I'm with you kids one more minute, <laughs> something's going to happen. <laughs> Anybody ever felt that way? Something's about to happen. Now, of course, we never say that, right? And, of course, grandparents, the great gift is you can give them back, right? You can say, I don't have to stay with you one more minute. I can just give you back and let your parents deal with it. Ha, 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 for what you did to me. Anyhow, we know that God feels towards us like a parent, that God is our father. He says, listen, these people, I can't go with you because, you know, you will die. And I mean that literally, you will die. Because my presence, you can't handle my presence yet. You can't handle my presence yet. And that's what he tells Moses. And Moses begins this conversation with God where he starts pleading with God. He's like, God, God, how are we going to survive without your presence? God said, listen, I'm going to fulfill my promises to you. I'm going to give you this promised land and I'm going to let you go there. And I'll send my angel out ahead of you. And my angel will take care of all the things that need to happen. But I'm not going to go with you. But I will send you there. And the Lord doesn't want to send his presence with his people because he knows they can't handle it. They're not ready for his presence. They're most likely going to die. And as Moses and God continue to talk in this dialogue, I love Moses comes to God. It says that they set up this tent of meeting. And it was a place during this time when the people had sinned with the golden calf. And oh, and by the way, Moses took those Ten Commandment tablets and he broke them because he was so angry. He said, listen, we haven't even started this relationship and you've already broken it. Boom. What is this worth? And so they set up this tent, and Moses and God would continue to talk over a period of time. And Moses would go in, and he would communicate with the Lord. And he comes in, and he says, okay, God, you said you're going to send me. You're going to send me out. You're going to lead these people. But you haven't told me who's going to go with me. <laughs> Does you love that? Who's going to go with me, God? Because God already said, I'm not going to go with you. So Moses is like, well, who is going to go with me, God? Who's going to go with me, God? You haven't told me. Now, God, teach me. Teach me. Come on, God. Speak to me. And finally, God says, all right, I'll go with you. My translation. <laughs> the word says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses immediately says, that's really good, God, because if your presence doesn't go with us, we will die. <laughs> that's when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. When the presence of God will kill you and without the presence of God, you're going to die anyhow. That's where you need God more than ever. He said, listen, and nothing will distinguish us. We'll just be like everybody else. God, your presence has to go with us. If your presence doesn't go with us, then don't send us anywhere. You see how much Moses craved the presence of God? How much he knew how valuable the presence of God was in the life of his people? He interceded. He pleaded with God. Do not leave us. Do not forsake us. We need your presence. We will stay right here in the desert and not move an inch if your presence does not come with us. God, that is very good what you have said. I am so glad, Moses said to God, that you have said your presence will go with us. 
Now Moses had such a desire for the presence of God that he asked that God would show his glory to him. He said, God, would you show me your glory? Would you show me your glory? Would you let me experience the fullness of your presence? And this is how the Lord responded. The Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For no one may see me and live. And that's the way it was. Even Moses wasn't ready for the full presence of God. So some of you know what God did, right? He said, here's a rock. I want you to go stand in this rock, in this little cleft in the rock, all right? I'm going to put my hand over you, and I'm going to pass by. And after I pass by, I'll let you know, and you can turn, and you can just see, you can see the remnants of my glory. You can see, like, just the trail of my glory. You can just see, like, what's left. You can just see the, the exhaust fumes of my glory. You can just see the stardust trail of my glory behind, because you are not yet ready to see my full presence because it will kill you. You are not ready. You people have been living in such darkness that you are not yet ready for the light that I am about to reveal. You see what I'm saying? And Moses was so changed by just the remnants of the presence, by just the afterglow of the presence, that his face shone so bright that they said he had to put a veil over his face because the people couldn't handle how bright it was. Isn't that amazing? That when you just get a taste of the presence of God, when you just get a little bit of the presence of God, you're going to glow with such a light that people won't even be able to stand it. That they'll be like, man, you got to cover that up, right? you got to cover that up because I can't even look at that right now because I'm living in such darkness. And so Moses had to put a veil over his face because the glory and the presence of the Lord was so powerful and the people were not yet ready to receive. Now, the Apostle Paul takes this story and he takes this image of the veil covering the glory and he takes it to another level, right? He says, listen, here, here's what's happening right now. You see, there is a veil over people's minds so that they can't understand what God is saying. And there's a veil over people's hearts so that they cannot receive what God is trying to say. You see, and he's talking about because God is doing something new. There's a new glory coming. <laughs> All that glory I just talked about, Paul said that's nothing compared to what we're going to experience now. Because there is a new glory coming. There is a new glory coming. There is something coming that's even better. That is old. That's obsolete. That's passing away. But people, beginning with the Jews, and I believe even every other person, we have this veil over our hearts. We have this veil over our minds. And we can't understand or receive the presence of God because we're not yet ready for it. And this is the problem. We have dull minds and we have hard hearts. And that's the problem we've always had as humanity. That's the problem men and women everywhere have had, is that we have dull minds and we have hard hearts. What do I mean by that? What is the veil that covers our minds? Well, it's because our minds, our minds are being affected by the patterns of this world, are they not? In our minds, we're not able to understand the things of God. Because there are patterns that work in this world that teach us things that are not of God. Do you understand this? When the Bible says, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world. Do you know how many patterns are at work in your life right now? In fact, there are patterns that are affecting your minds right now. If you are looking at your phone or if you're looking on the internet, right? They're called algorithms, right? And they analyze everything that you look at, everything that you write. They analyze what you stop and pause on, on your social media feed. And then all of a sudden you wonder why you're getting these ads for things that strangely appeal to you, right? 
interesting, right? You get these ads that somehow are geared towards you, right? Because what they're doing is they're using patterns to figure out what you like and what you desire. And then they're using that to get you to buy something. They're using that to shape your mind. In fact, the more that you look at the social media, that it gets shaped so that even the news that you see is all news that's geared for you. And it's from one tiny perspective. How many, do you guys know what I'm talking about? we got so many people who don't understand. They don't understand. That, that's why our minds are dull. Because we're letting the world shape us all the time. Aren't we? How much time do you spend reading the word of God? Versus reading or listening to the news in whatever form you take it in. We need to, I just want our minds to be opened. I don't want to be away from one or the other. I love an old preacher, an old, old preacher, way back, years ago, when he still had these things called newspapers. He said, I wake up every day, and I got the Bible in one hand, and I got the New York Times in the other. He said, because that's how God calls me to live in this world, so that I might truly understand the pattern of this world, so that I can understand what God is saying, and I can speak truth, right? And I can bring light to the darkness. So how do we get rid of that veil in our minds? Well, Paul says only in Christ is it taken away. Only through the presence of Christ is our mind transformed and renewed through reading his word, through prayer, through the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Our minds need to be transformed. The veil needs to be removed. Paul goes on to say that when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed from their hearts. We also have hard hearts, don't we? So many people today have hard hearts. That means their heart is not open. That means, and, and why do we have hard hearts? Well, because we've been told we've got to protect our hearts, right? We've got to guard ourselves, right? So we put up walls. We've been hurt. That's why. We get hurt, and so we put up protections, and those protections then become hard, and our heart becomes hard, and we say, I'm not going to trust anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow myself to be heard anymore. And the thing is that, that I'm not saying we don't need to protect ourselves because we do, but we need to be careful that when our hearts become hard, they can even become hard towards God. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I have a friend, and this friend has a very hard heart towards God. They believe that God exists, but they've told me on several occasions, I will not become a Christian. I will not give my heart to God. Because what happened was, when they were young, six, seven years old, their father had cancer. And they prayed with their mom every night for their father to be healed. And he died. And this person said, what kind of God would do that? I will harden my heart so I won't be hurt again. And I will not allow God into my life. And that's what we do. We harden our hearts. We've given a message that sounds correct. We've told people, guard your heart so it doesn't get hurt. But the problem is we've created walls and stones and gates that nothing can get into. And let me tell you this. A soft heart can be hurt. Yes, a soft heart can be wounded. But a hard heart can be broken. A soft heart can be wounded. But a hard heart can be broken. Do we have a hard heart? Is there a veil, a wall? Something that's between us and God. Well, the Bible says that in Jesus Christ it is taken away. Amen? Jesus Christ is taken away. And the other problem that we have is, you know, we give into idolatry, right? 
we worship things other than God. Because our minds, we don't comprehend the things of God. Our hearts are closed off. And so we build our own idols, right? I mean, the golden calves are still around today. And everybody has them, right? Everybody has them. Doesn't matter what you believe in. Doesn't matter what your political persuasion is, right? Republicans have golden calves and Democrats have golden calves. Things that they worship other than God. Every community has it. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, Latino, whatever. Every community has golden calves. Every community has idols that we worship, right? Anything that we put above God, anything that we turn to when we turn away from God and we turn to something else, it can become an idol in our lives. It can become an idol in our lives. Even religion, even religion can become an idol because it's man-made. It's not from God. When they worshiped this calf, it was religious. They offered prayers. Aaron even said, catch this, this is good. Aaron even said, we're going to worship this calf tomorrow. We're going to worship the Lord. Wow, he even used the name of Yahweh, Almighty God, to call this worship. What? What? He made it look like religion. He made it look like it was right. But it wasn't right. We've got so many idols and golden calves in our society. And every time we speak against it, we have our own people, other Christians, like getting on our case, right? Because we're simply trying to say, hey, are we worshiping God or are we worshiping something else? Well, we know the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, the veil is taken away. Amen. In Jesus Christ, something new has happened. We don't live like in the time of Moses, Paul said. We don't live in this time where we have to have a veil to see God's glory. In fact, now, because of Jesus Christ, we're ready. Where once we were not yet ready to see the presence of God, we are ready now. We can see God. We can see the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. When Jesus Christ came, he came to show us what God looks like. He came as the light of the world to shine into the darkness. He came to show us what real love looks like. He came to show us what sacrifice looks like. He came to show us what obedience looks like. Jesus Christ came to show us life that is truly life. Amen. And this is the most glorious thing that has ever happened. In the history of mankind, is that Jesus has come as the fullness of the presence of God, light and beauty, to enter into our lives and to transform us into his image. When Jesus died on the cross, it says that the veil, the temple veil, that separated the presence of God from everything else was ripped in two from top to the bottom. What does that mean? That whatever was standing between us and the presence of God was ripped apart. Amen. Amen was ripped apart so that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have access into the presence of God. That's why the passage started out because we have such a hope. We are bold. We are bold to walk into the very presence of God. I can go up the same mountain that Moses went up. Amen. Only because of Jesus Christ. Only because of what Jesus Christ did. Only because of his righteousness can I stand in the presence of God. But he gives me access to the presence of God and to a presence that changes my life. That as God enters me, his light comes into me. And when his light comes in, it gets rid of the darkness. Amen. Amen. That's what we're talking about. That's what we believe, you know, is the theme for this year. What God wants us to do. Listen again to 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the message. And so we are transfigured or transformed, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That's what I believe God is doing for each and every person. And that's my prayer for each and every one of us and everyone who will come to Hartford City Church in 2018 is that the presence of God would enter into your life. 
And that as the presence of God enters into your life, that you would experience more light and more beauty because of it. Because that's what God does, right? Amen? Now, I want to talk about light for just a minute. It's not like flipping on a switch, right? Who likes to be woken up with someone just flipping on the switch really bright, right? Like, ah, that light. And sometimes we think it's like that, right? We think it's like, oh, man, I just got to come to God. Boom, the light comes on. I walk away. But I think that it's more like the dawn. I think it's more like the light slowly but surely begins to shine and the darkness begins to dissipate. And God continues to shine, right? Because God is always there. God's presence is always there. It's not like God is, God is on low sometimes and then we turn up God and God turns up high, you know? God's presence is always there. It's like the sun. It's like the sun. Is the sun always there? Is the sun always shining? Does the sun shine any less at night? No, it's still shining, right? When the clouds cover, remember this week? This came to me this morning. You know, you're talking about those little insights that come to you in the morning, right? We had that day of the storm, right? It was cloudy and it was snowy, right? You know, we don't see the sun. And it feels cold. And it gets dark early. But the sun is still there because the next morning, how many of you notice this? The next morning, it was so bright. Anybody notice that? And when that brightness came through my window, I thought, you know, it was that bright yesterday even when the clouds were there. And I think the same is true in our lives. If the, the clouds of the veil, whatever that veil is, that covers our hearts and our minds, and God is there, God's presence is there, we just need the veil removed. We just need the clouds dissipated. And there's only one way that that happens, friends, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to turn to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And if we aren't experiencing that light and that beauty, if we are not experiencing that power of the presence of God, then we need to ask ourselves some questions, don't we? Are we still living in the darkness? What's it like in the darkness? Well, it's, it's, it's evil. It's injustice. It's selfishness. It's rebellion against God where we just want to do our own thing, right? It's darkness. It's darkness. I don't know of anybody that's living in the darkness that really experiences the light. You can say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm living in the light. But when everything around you is darkness, it looks, feels pretty dark. But Christ will take away that if you let him. If you invite Christ into your life, he will take away that darkness. He will give you an appetite not for that darkness but for the light, right? So you've got to ask yourself, am I truly living in the light? Am I truly a daughter or a child of God? Because if I am, then I will experience the presence. We want to pray today, God, is there any kind of veil that's covering my mind or my heart? What is it, God, that's keeping me from accessing this presence? What, what is it, God? What is it? What is it, God? Can we be like Moses this morning? When we just desire God so much that we're just going to engage God until we get that breakthrough. Amen? We're just going to engage God until we get that breakthrough. Because you can try all of these other things. And Lord knows, some of us have tried it. I'm going to tell you, it's just going to end in nothing. Nothingness and darkness and loneliness and heartbreak. But when we turn to Jesus Christ, we receive all the light and the love and the goodness and the power of God's presence in our life. So the very first thing that we need to consider today, on the first Sunday of this new year of 2018, is simply this. Have we opened our hearts and received Jesus Christ. As God's presence comes into us, your life will gradually become brighter and more beautiful. 
That's what God will do. And it will be in such a way that not only can you see it, but the people around you can see it. And so my first question for all of us this morning is have you invited Jesus Christ into your life? And I want you to think about that seriously for a minute. Have you invited Jesus Christ into your life? And I'm going to challenge you. You may quickly say, oh, yes, I did that. But just do a quick check. How much light is in your life? How much power is in your life? How much of the presence of God do you feel? Because like the sun that comes up every morning, I need to experience the presence of God every single day. Amen? I can't experience it once at a special time and a special occasion. I need every morning to wake up and to consciously and actively think God is here with me. Man. What about when you're driving? What about at work? What about at school? What about, I mean, can't you think God is here with me? And does that change? What's happening, at least in your heart and your mind, right? That's the first place, man. The presence gets rid of the veil. Our hearts and our minds get aligned with God, right? At first, I don't care about the circumstances, right? I may still be in the desert. I may be in the castle. I may be, I don't care where it is. Because when my mind and heart are set right, the presence of God changes everything. And suddenly, I am transported into the very presence of God. It's revealed that it's been there. And that's what I think we need to live into if we're going to make a difference in this world. If we're going to see a change in our lives, we've got to say, God, I want you. So when you invite God into your life, remember you're inviting him to every part of it. God's not a part-time friend. God's not someone you text when you feel like hanging out. He comes into your life. He moves in like he's part of the family. Like you open the door and he's like the cat that runs in and jumps in your bed. I don't know, maybe not. But you know, God's presence is always there. God is always there. You know, you, know what, you know what the reality is, though? Sometimes we don't want that, do we? <laughs> Let's just be real. Sometimes it's like, um, I don't want to think about God being with me right now. Because if I'm going off to this place to do this thing with that person, I don't want to think about that God's going with me. Right? <laughs> right? Sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes we're so focused on what we want to do. But we don't want God. We're like, God, can you just leave me alone for a minute? Like, God, get off of me. God, you're always on me, right? And we start to put that veil up, right? Because we don't want to feel that, that conviction. We don't want to feel some kind of way about what we're doing. So we say, God, just get off me for a minute, right? And then we sit there when things don't work. And we're like, God, where are you? And God's like, I'm here. <laughs> you told me to leave you alone. So I did, but I'm still here because I love you. And I'm never going to leave you. But some of us, some people never, ever experienced that. You've been walking in the land of darkness. And somehow, some way today, you came here. Something, you know, like when you kind of follow the light, right? If you're in darkness, you kind of figure out where the light is and you try to follow it, right? That's what you should do, right? If you're stuck and lost in a cave, you know, and then you need to find the way out. Don't you look for the light? Don't you smell for where the air is the freshest? And you start to follow that direction, right? Or you see where the water's flowing and you follow. You, you follow something of the spirit, right? You follow something of the spirit. And when you get somewhere, when you want to get somewhere in your life, you've got to look for the signs of the spirit, for the light, for the fresh air, for the spirit of living water. You've got to see where that's flowing. You've got to see where that is. You've got to move towards it. You've got to move towards that. You've got to move towards the presence of God. And some of you, I believe, are here today because God is somehow drawing you. God is somehow working in you. 
you are in a place where you know you want to move towards the light. And we proclaim to you today that the light is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive him this morning. Would you pray with me in this moment?